Minnesota Football Daves, uh, episode three of the Women's World Cup, recapping the not last round, the round three of matches, as well as previewing the knockout round here. We have the regular crew. Eric, how you doing, bud? Hey, man. It's all good. Outdoors. Nice to be outside. It was very uh, hot and humid, but, you know, in the evening time, recording this in the evening instead of the morning, it's good to be out. Right on. Uh, how's your, how are you feeling for your return from COVID? You kick its ass? Better. Better. Yeah. Yeah. It's been not quite. It'll be a week tomorrow, in fact. So coming Same. around. All right. And we also have the 22-year uh, anniversary man, Rodrigo. How's it going, Rodrigo? Great. I don't, um, I don't recommend that for um, your upcoming 22nd year anniversary that you time it where you have to move couches in 92 degree weather so they can get picked up. I just, um, just don't, don't, don't plan on that. You'll be happier. <laughs> Excellent. And uh, sl- sliding into the chat, uh, the last minute here, MJ, how you doing, bud? Assuming you're there. All right. <laughs> we'll come back to MJ. MJ's, MJ's, MJ will be joining us as well. Um, so we have like, the classic Minnesota football Dave's lineup. Um, when we did the uh, men's world cup so we're gonna just power through these matches guys i think just talk very briefly about any of these matches that you have anything uh any words to say and then uh, i think spend a little more time talking about the upcoming knockout round matches and, and what our favorite uh matches are because we do have some interesting interesting uh matchups this coming week so yes tasty tasty matches yes. all right well, let's start on monday um costa rica one zambia three Zambia's first ever World Cup uh, World Cup victory, so this is a pretty a pretty fun match. Had no no implication in the uh, standings for uh, for this particular group, but this is Group B, I believe. Um, mm-hmm. But pretty cool to see Zambia get a win. Extremely cool. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong, too, Dave. You probably have the timing up there, but I think Costa Rica scored first, didn't they? Uh, no, they scored third. Zambia scored in the third oh, minute. I can remember for some reason. The third, I got one in my head where they had a whole bunch of unanswered goals, but no, it was, it was, it was great for them. It was great for the team. And, you know, like we mentioned on one of the previous episodes, that team and just going through all the adversity, like many of these other uh, European uh, CONCACAF, Comibol teams, but even to a higher degree, because they're just that, that much farther behind in terms of federation and confederation support. So there was probably no expectation they'd even do anything. And now look, they pull off a, a huge win. It's, yeah, it doesn't advance them, but it still shows that they can play, right? Yeah. And we can talk a little bit about that with a couple teams that qualified for the knockout round for the first time. You know, they, they made it their first World Cup last year, last uh, last go-around. Uh, Jamaica is a great example, and they, they parlayed that success. You know, I don't think they won a game um, compared to Zambia, but they, you know, they got the experience, and then they turn around and, and uh, I'm sure we'll talk about uh, Jamaica and uh, your beloved Brazil yeah. a little bit here. So, uh, I mean, yeah, yeah. I mean, this game was much closer than people give it to be, right? Because uh, Zambia scored in the third minute, and then they were up two nothing with a PK by by literally just about halftime. And then on the 47th minute, Costa Rica scores, so it's two one. And then for the longest time until little until extra time, like 93rd minute is when. Um, Zambia scores and I think that's yeah. you know that's yeah 
That's awesome. XG, I mean, XG on this one was 2.1 to 2.1. So this is a very even game in spite of a, a, a you know, what looks like a slightly lopsided scoreline. So, mm-hmm. well, as you mentioned, that game didn't have any effect on the actual table. The, the game that did was Japan and Spain. I know we talked about this game uh, at the very end, you know, towards the end of the podcast last week. Um, but Japan put on an absolute clinic against Spain, yeah. uh, four to nothing victory. Uh, this was Japan all the way. I mean, the, the weird thing is the XG on this one was 0.9 for Japan to 0.7 for Spain. Japan is just utterly, utterly ruthless, especially yes. what they had three touches in the box. They scored on all three goals. Um, it's, Precision, it's just, man. An impressive team, an impressive team. So Japan tops the group uh, with this 4 nothing victory. Um, yeah, Japan's off of the group and uh, help me out with what, what's the – Rodrigo knows all their names. The Mia – Help me out. Oh, Mina, Mina Tanaka? No, 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 no. There you go. Thank you, MJ. Current uh, uh, golden boot leader after that one. I think she had a, oh. a brace in that one, and she had like yeah. two before, so she's got four total now. This this game was weird, though, because like if you look at the stats in itself, you're like, how did Spain lose, right? Like They had, I mean, this is the 78% procession. They had pass accuracy of 87%. You know, but just it's just those, you know, they had more shots. And it's just, you know, it's how clinical Japan is and technical in that sense. And it's just yeah. You you don't need that many touches or that much possession when you can score just about in every opportunity you get. So Yep. Rodrigo, yep. Spain had seven hundred and eighty two passes. Yeah. How, how many do you, how many do you think Japan had? Accurate uh, passes. <laughs> Accurate passes? <laughs> Accurate. 222. 158. Uh, I was, yeah, I was going to say something like 100. That's, <laughs> that says a lot That's, right there. That is just absolutely crazy. Um, Here, here's the thing. Japan normally would like to play like Spain. They would normally like to have a lot of possession, but they knew going up against Spain, they they wouldn't be able to play that game. So what did they do? They played the counter game, and did they play it well? Absolutely. I remember absolutely. just just from the highlights too, like watching the Spanish players just get <laughs> ironically, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking now about like, like uh, uh bullfighting, but it was the opposite. The, the Japanese were the, were the bullfighters just spinning them all over the place. Like there, I, I just remember seeing midfielders like literally do like one eighties and fall on their butts, which getting completely turned around. I'm like, wow. <laughs> it was that kind of a match. Yeah, it was, it was. Uh, so let me get to the five o'clock games. Um, and we'll start about the first one, uh, Ireland 0, Nigeria 0. This game was kind of a snooze fest. Uh, Nigeria basically just uh, – there was a possibility if, the, if Ireland beat them and results went a certain way, they would they would get knocked out. But they were pretty much in control of this entire game. Um, anything to say on Ireland at Nigeria? Anybody? I'm, I'm going to throw it to Rodrigo because he sent a whole bunch of stuff about some substitution controversy. And I, I kind of get it, but I feel like I don't have the full context. So take it away, homie. Well, we all know um, how Katie McCabe scored the wonderful and only clean uh, Olympico in this World Cup so far. Um, but uh, Vera, is it Vera Pa? Uh, that her and Katie McCabe were literally, you know, uh, squabbling about, uh, about substitutes. Because at right. the point where yeah. they were, where the point where they were, you know, at the 70th minute, like she was asking for substitutes uh, to get fresh legs in, and um, 
Vera was just like, you know, it's like, no, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to do that. And uh, Sinette Farley um, was, was the main focus of this conversation because, um, you know, Katie was like, when we should, you know, was advocating that we should change her. Um, and um, Vera was like, no, that's the best player on the, on, on the pitch right now. Why would I switch her? And like, I totally comprehend like, like, uh, you know, the whole uh, she's not the coach conversation, but at the same time, like, you like you shouldn't throw your player under the bus. And let's put it this way, like, Jeanette Farley has, done, has had a decent World Cup, but to that point, that player had not played more than 60 minutes a game. And so to expect them to be magical all of a sudden and put them in for 90, uh, doesn't doesn't really like register me and besides i'm a coach that i rather try i rather lose trying to win than just trying to get a tie you know it's like i, I, I game's a risk you 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 either do or you don't specifically when you have your first world cup win on the line um that yeah that that was just interesting to me yeah yeah, that was I forgot about that. I forgot. Well, Vera Paul has her own. She's got some of her own baggage coming into the tournament as well. So, uh, let's talk about the game that really was the one that everybody was watching. Uh, Australia needing a victory, Canada just needing a draw or a win. And I think to your point, Rodrigo, Canada played very tepidly in this game, hoping for a draw, um, expecting that they could get a win. And without Sam Kerr, uh, Australia kicks the shit out of Canada, four to nothing. Yeah. Um, and this game wasn't even close. Australia just dominated from the get-go in this game. I noticed that Sam Kerr didn't play. Uh, what was the reason why she didn't play? She's been hurt. She was She was in – I think she was in the 18. Like, she uh, – there was a couple points there where I think she got up and sort of, like, you know, in, in warm-ups and stuff so that, you know, Canada, that Canada would see her warming up um, and maybe, you know, the – the illusion of, of Kerr being able to play, but yeah, I don't think she. I don't think, psychological warfare. Yeah, I think only if Australia needed a goal in the last say ten minutes, I don't think Sam Kerr was getting on the pitch in this game. Oh, yeah, that, that's a bummer for Australia, but good on them because they beat a good team. Well, it sounds uh, like she's going to be ready for knockouts. I, though. Like, I, I think. Been... Yeah. No, I I agree. Ooh. I think she's ready for knockouts. I into. Uh, I think. Um, what's the what's the trending phase? Oh, oh, I think. I think MJ is too honest. Uh, if you've been watching the news, he's, he's, he's too he's too honest uh, because Canada did not have a good World Cup. Um, they looked um, they looked in sync. They totally did not look like they were they they wanted to at points. It's just um, it's just they just look overwhelmed in literally just about every game except for the first one. And That's I think why? we can we and I think we can deep down dive and. And talk about what the reasons are, and we maybe in a section later on we can talk about all the giants that didn't make it into yeah, the rounds yeah, of sixteen, yeah. and then we can talk about why that might be. But yeah, that I mean, it, it's surprising, but um, since they won the Olympic gold medal, it it hasn't been positive for Canada since then. Yeah. So this one, um, yeah. So I guess a, a sign of of things to come um, with. Uh, with Canada getting knocked out, one of the presumably one of the favorites at the beginning of the tournament. So I don't uh, watch all right. it closely, but my sense is I mean, 
besides it, this is Christine Sinclair's sixth World Cup, which is an amazing feat it's of itself. But along with Christine Sinclair's sixth World Cup comes a fairly veteran squad that hasn't worked their youth in, kind of like a U.S. men's national team problem where you aren't preparing the next generation or letting the old generation mentor the next generation. That's just what it seemed like to me. Yeah, um, kind of a U.S. women's team problem, too, if we're being completely honest here. So, uh, all right, let's move on to Tuesday. And uh, let's, uh, we'll jump to the, to the other group first. Uh, England 6, China 1. This is a pretty home-hum game for England. Um, they were top of the group. They had not played particularly well in this tournament. Um, I think their only their two victories before were by one goal each. Um, this is just a solid win over China. Takes them top of the group. And then the other match, uh, Haiti, unfortunately, unable to score against Denmark. Um, and so Denmark wins that one two to nothing. Is there anything specific about either of these matches that you guys want to talk about? The England match, Dave, was a uh, direct result of me calling out the team on the previous Minnesota Football Dave's episode, saying that they were uh, <laughs> they were not performing up to par. They weren't as good as they uh, they think they are. And it was nice that their coach, the the Dutch lady Vedum, I think is her name, that she took a 148 minutes out of her day to to listen to that masterpiece <laughs> and say, "All right, Eric, you're done." <laughs> so you're welcome <laughs> yeah uh five different goal scorers for uh for england um so that is a uh, so all the you know we're, we're talking about all the the teams that didn't make it but all the all the big teams that have made it through have have at least one big win um with the one major exception being the u.s which we'll we'll talk about here in a little bit anything else either rodrigo or or mj i didn't watch any either of these two games these i think were the or the 5 a.m. games. I was already. I got home after U.S. and went to took a nap. So I caught the last like half an hour of that England game, and you know, China wasn't playing poorly. It was just it just England just finally decided to be England. Uh, okay, well, let's talk um, the other the other group, the U.S. group. Um, I don't know how much we want to say about Vietnam, Netherlands, uh, Netherlands seven nothing victory over Vietnam. They had four goals in the first 25 minutes yeah. um, and then just kind of took their foot off the gas. Uh, they, they needed to win, um, you know, based on goal differential. If they wanted to top the, the group, if the U S beat Portugal, which will obviously did not happen. We'll talk about it in a minute, but Netherlands really looked, um, I watched some of the, the replays of this one and they looked, they looked ruthless and hungry in this game. And seven is probably um, that's flattering Vietnam. Cause they probably should have had a few more. Not a lot to add. Just, complete throwdown yeah i mean i think i think is is this one of these things we talked about like the first couple of games in each group it, they're going to try to get acclimated to the type of type of game they're going to be playing and the type of world cup it's going to be but coming down to deciding if you're going to move on or not that's 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 where the focus really begins and i think that's where some of these teams are turning it on and hopefully more teams will be turning it on when we talk about the group of 16s Yep. And I, and I think uh, there's at least one, maybe even two Dutch players out, out of out of that seven goal extravaganza that are now on the uh, golden boot board as well, chasing the, the Japanese woman. Yep, for sure. Uh, Joe Ruud. Um, there you go. Yeah. And then um, 
Yeah, Esme Brooks also got a, a brace well in that game. Yep. Okay, well, let's talk about it. Portugal zero, USA zero. Uh, USA does just enough to get through the group, and I say literally just enough, and I would preface that by saying the post does just enough to get the USA through the group. Um, in second place uh, in Group E, um, you know, if you look at the XG, XG for the US was 2.4 versus 0.3 for Portugal, but that doesn't really tell the, the story of this uh, of this game. The, this game, Portugal, uh, was absolutely dominant the entire time. Uh, between the first half of the Netherlands game and basically all of this game, it's a very, very... Uh... Yeah, I think um, overall, um, you know, if you look at the stats, this is a very um, sort of like even stat-wise, but it wasn't on the field in the sense of like who had more of the need of hunger to be able to do something. And I think Portugal is a is a decent team. And I think they were able to move the ball around. But at the same time, like, um, I think a lot of people uh, were expecting this to be some sort of um, a blowout. But I, I, you know, the way that the United States have been playing has been up and down. You don't really, you need to have the right type of personnel in there. It seems to be to motivate them. Well, they need, something needs to happen to motivate them. And, and you know, that's on coaching. That's on them. Uh, but the ends justify the means. That's what they're trying to do is just to get out of groups, the group stage and move on to that. And then you, and then you can refocus. And that's what they need to do. They need to figure out what is the best way that they can actually be uh, – to, to reach their potential as they can as a team because they have lots of potential to do what we we've seen them do in other places but um and the stage so far it, it it's it's been really lackluster to to figure out what is the best way that this team can play and what is the best way that this team can respond and that's what they need to do uh they need to respond and uh i think uh whichever you want to talk about what uh what a fox analyst um <laughs> former player said that might be a reason that they that they do that there might be an idea as to why they decide to talk like that and try to figure out um or motivate them i hope that they use that as as, as locker room talk so they can go ahead and just um be part of that um idea and everything else so fox analyst former uh former player uh current proud boys female spokesperson are you talking about yeah, um, if you haven't if you haven't uh, listened to Carly Lloyd's uh, uh, discussion, well, she wanted to, she wanted to rip into the team at halftime, um, and uh, wasn't quite wasn't quite willing to take it there. And then Alexi Lawless tried to goad her into it a little bit at the end of the match. Um, you know, I don't want I don't really want to discuss Carly Lloyd and her thoughts. I mean, um, I think she's right in some respects, but I also think she um, is not right in some respects, and so. You, you, know, you could parse parse that uh parse those conversations i think the the sad thing in this game is that we you know finally get rose lavelle back and healthy and of course she picks up another yellow card so she's out for the next game which uh is you know spoiler alert sweden um talk about that in a second here that's a big loss i mean i think rose lavelle has been the best player on the what she's been on the pitch for the u.s so far in this tournament so losing your best your best attacking player um, playing players out of position, as we've talked about before, and uh, yeah, the it's just a, it's a 
just a weird hodgepodge of of not knowing what the fuck they're doing. It's right. Um, oh, go it's ahead. It's really MJ. frustrating to see uh, a U.S. team that I know can can play better, and uh, you know they just want to do things way too directly, and this may be just the the past catching up with the United States from a everything from the U.S. Soccer Federation on down when it comes to what our camp's going to look like, what coaching is going to look like, what sort of things do we stress in, in coaching licenses, what sort of things do we stress with our coaches and with our youth players. But, you know, there's a time to play direct. There's a time to go up the middle and go for the gut and, and be really obvious about what you're doing and just do it better than everybody. But the U.S. can't just brute force wins anymore. Um, the rest of the world has caught up. You've seen Portugal, who the U.S. have a great record against, have better tactics, better technical ability on the ball, and was able to match the U.S. on speed. Um, and it's just, the, I think, the, the old ways of... Uh, I didn't say this, and Aurora player said this, kick the ball down the field and chase after it are catching up with the United States. Yeah, that's fair. <clears throat> hey, Nubia. Gonna, oh. Hey, everybody. Take it. Sorry, I'm a little late. Um, hello, listeners. Um, so just so you all know, Thursday nights is um, watch the newest episode of The Summer I Turned Pretty with G's girlfriend. And so that is what I was doing before. Y'all have really bad timing on Thursdays. So just so you know, if we're going to record on Thursdays, you're going to have to do it a little later. <laughs> if you, you want to do it. I mean, it's fine. Um, I'm actually going to hop in really quick. Um, and I'm not exactly sure what you all are talking about, but I'm assuming you're talking about the um, the, another, the U.S. women's another, Netherlands game, right? Okay. Um, uh, U.S. Portugal. US Portugal. Oh, Portugal. Okay. Um, here's here's something that um, we Rodrigo and I have been talking a lot about, um, and actually something I've been thinking about more as the more I think about it, because just as I'm watching – um, what's been happening over the course of the last couple of weeks with the team. I also have to wonder, aside from the fact that we are definitely not developing our youth players the way that we should, right? We, I feel like we've all talked until we're blue in the face on the men's side that they've been doing the same thing, right? We are not developing really our youth players. They have to go to Europe um, or out of the U.S. to be trained. Um, but I think part of the issue as well that we, I feel like we kind of really aren't talking about is everything that the women on this team have endured in the course of the last four years, right? All of the, it's all of the abuse allegations that have, that have come out um, in the last few years, um, all of the shit with equal pay that, that many of the women who are currently on the team um, were at the forefront of those lawsuits. Um, in addition to um, having to, um, navigate being a professional athlete and, and still trying to figure out how that mentality is. And I know that there are some people out there that are going to be like, well, they're professionals. They should be able to block it out. But after you have thing after thing after thing happening to you, you get to a point where you cannot block that out and it deeply affects your game, right? In my opinion, and I don't know if you all talked about the Canada game. I think that everything that's going on with their federation had a lot to do with the way that they performed, right? Um, and so 
so I think that that has a lot of what to do, um, you know, and, and, you know, as being the only female identifying person currently on this podcast, um, you can only take so much misogyny and so much sexism before it really starts to affect you in the head and really starts to impact how you do stuff. And so I think that that's another angle that we really need to think about. So all of the bullshit that Carly Lloyd is sprouting out, um, she needs to take a step back because she rode on the coattails of all the women who did the hard work for her so that she could be successful, right? Carly like benefited the most out of equal pay and didn't have to lift a finger, right? She let Kristen Press, Alex Morgan, all of those folks do the work for her. Um, so that's another angle that I wanted to think about. And it's actually something we haven't really talked about and something that we really haven't seen written about is all of the things that these women have endured over the last four years since the last World Cup. Um, so just wanted to bring that in as something else that I was kind of thinking about as I started yeah, reading some you. of the articles and criticisms. We call it the, the psychic weight or the psychic load. I mean, it's, it's honestly what Rodrigo and I talk about is the emotional labor. It's the invisible yep. emotional labor also, that a lot of us have to do. AKA. Right? Yeah. Yeah. It's a, a lot of that invisible work, a lot of that invisible pain that sometimes happens that affects us in more ways um, than one. Um, and, and not to say anything too, but Black goes a man. And while he is supportive of his team, maybe that's an aspect of his mentality that he is not thinking about with his team, right? Like how much is he working mental health stuff into his tactics, into his work, right? Like those are things that unless you see them or you experience them personally is very easy to forget and skim over. So um, we've seen it, Rodrigo and I have seen things like this mess with our kids' heads, right? Um, many of you may know the story about what happened with G, and if you don't, I'll tell you what day, one day. Um, but we've seen it firsthand how much that can impact a player mentally, emotionally, and physically. And to that point, I would just add that the U.S. is dealing with all that and is still at a high level of privilege compared to a lot of these other teams. <laughs> Right. So they you can are. just imagine they are falls down with they are right, right, emotional yep. and psychic weight. Right, exactly. Right, but they still, but they had a fight for their federation, mm -hmm. their very wealthy federation, to give them what they were just what they deserved. Yeah. Right, yeah. like right. if we would have been talking about the U.S. in 1999, they would have been facing the exact same thing that some of the younger federations are dealing with now. Right, mm -hmm. everything was invested in the men's game nothing was invested in the women's game right so same argument that we're making about jamaica about um haiti about all Zambia. of those federations right all of those kick-ass federations that are making it out of the freaking group that they were not supposed to right like right. um but at some point you need to, you know when you keep doing the same thing over and over and over again it gets old and i feel mm -hmm. like that's where we're at everything keeps isn't going. that isn't that the definition of insanity, though? Doing the same thing over and over and over and expecting a different that's result? Groundhog's Day. Groundhog's Day. <laughs> I'm so glad same you said that because that's actually again. not an Einstein quote. Everybody says Einstein said that. He did not. 
No, it's it's Groundhog's Day. <laughs> Groundhog's Day over and over and over again. Right. And it's going to, we're going to, you know, the deeper we talk about it, the, the more we're going to start getting into the thing that drives everyone I crazy about pay to play. Right. And the style, the style of play that the U.S. has. Um, right. Because it's the one thing that drives me batty is that boot and run that they are doing. Right. Because yeah. all these women are kick ass athletes and that have really amazing foot skills. And the way that the tactics have been happening is like, oh, we're gonna boot it right up the wing and see who can catch to catch it. Ugh. Yeah. Thank you, Nubia. Thank you. Ugh. Oh. The, the tactics or or lack thereof. It, it just I think this is yes. a testament to show it's the, the entire tournament, I think, um, Nubia, to your point, has just shown that a lot of the world, in spite like in spite of their federations, is catching up to the US. And then that is something we should be shouting out and, and, and saying yes about. But you also you are correct. We also need to point out where these federations are just dropping the ball and continuously dropping the ball as well. So yeah, thank right. you for bringing yeah. that up. I mean, Perfect. I mean the thing is you, you look at it. You know, like Jamaica, two World Cups in a row, they've had to have some sort of GoFundMe to be able to 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 be able to make it into. It's, it's, a, it's a GoFundMe named the Marley family. Yeah, it's like it's like you know, like and then that's the well, insanity, last, right? Th- Thailand last World Cup, right? Wasn't yeah. it like some women entrepreneur that was the one that yep. basically funded their whole team? Yes. Yeah, and let's not talk about Michelle Kane and the King and the NWSL freaking queen owner of all owners yeah um uh is there anything anything else for the i would say anything else from the u.s game that we want to discuss i I was just gonna wrap with everything that's been said it's completely beautifully stated well taken um i'm not super panicked really yet uh if there is this idea because you know you heard the players talk to and they're like you know we did our job and we got through we didn't get through the way we wanted to and it's like yeah it was rough it was sloppy if 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 they do reset and turn it on and like have a good run great um but if they're still sleepy and you know the 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 tactics look similar and the the long balls like you all were alluding to if, if if they get run over by sweden then we know that you know clearly there's a lot more happening here so we'll, well, so, and- so we'll we'll see how that match happens. I think that, that I think that match is gonna is gonna stay a lot. Well, and I want to say that they started like this in 2015. Mm-hmm. I want to say that they started slow like this, really rough. In 2015, they were getting a lot of criticism because in the previous World Cup they had lost to Japan, mm-hmm. right? And so I feel like I feel like they they did it, it was the same kind of deal. They started off slow. They started off rough. And then they got into the groups and figured it out. But um, for, I would actually say for the last three years, I have been really questioning Blotko's tactics and who he puts where, um, just because I know the depth that he has on that squad. One thing that I was literally having a discussion about with Issa and G, um, which if you never listen to them, like talk tactics, it's like a masterclass. They sometimes <laughs> check Rodrigo with his tactics and they're like, dude, no, this is what should happen. Um, but uh, one thing that, that I am very much questioning is um, his choice of who to put where on the field. I don't understand why we are putting all of our quote unquote strongest players on the left, right? We have everybody who is veterans of the World Cup on the left. Um, 
I don't understand why he keeps Julie Ertz in a center back role. Julie Ertz has not played center back in I don't know how many years. Um, and would she be an okay six? Maybe. But Julie Ertz is still getting back to game shape. She's been gone for two years. Um, and so I would rather almost see it Christy Newis sitting as a six who has had consistent minutes um, and who does play that, that more of like a hybrid six, eight role. Um, why have we not seen Ashley Sanchez who can play the 10? We don't have a 10 that of any of the lineups that he's put out. There is not a 10. Um, Lindsay Horan is not a 10. She is not. Um, and so I don't know why we, we haven't seen um, some of those players coming out. Um, the group stage would have been the time to see them and to give them that experience before the pressure was really on. And so um, he is, he is going to be on the hot seat when we get, when we get to, if they don't make it out of the group and lose to Sweden, um, I would be surprised if he doesn't lose his job because as we all know, the expectation the U S women's national team is to come out and come out and win big. And there is no other threshold at this point, even though the rest of the world is catching up with us. Side note, by the way, um, we also had a conversation in our house about how the Brazilian women's team is playing the way that the men should. So we'll talk about that later. <laughs> I like it. Uh, yeah. Uh, Blocko keeps trying to jam, much like Adrian Heath, uh, jam everybody hey, to, three, three. Drink. to, oh, a, oh. to, a, to a system that doesn't seem to make any sense for the players that he has uh, at his availability. So, and let's, like Nubia said, you know, Blocko, much like Jill Ellis, plays players not in their natural positions. Yeah. Let's jump into that team we're going to be playing on uh, Sunday. Sweden 2, Argentina 0. Um, I didn't get a chance to watch this game. Uh, I know Sweden's best player, one of the best players in the world, but Rafa was not on. She's actually on the 18. They they sat her rester for this game because Sweden didn't really need to do much. Did either did anybody else, anybody else watch uh, any of the Sweden-Argentina match? Just highlights. They rested more more than a few of their starters, and it was they they, they handled it. Yeah. Uh, well, the, the upset of the group, uh, South Africa three, Italy two, and with that, South Africa uh, amazing. Fana Fana amazing dances their dances their way to the knockout round uh, for the first oh, time ever. Musica, you get to hear yes. all that choral music. Keep it coming. This was an amazing match. Um, yeah, uh, Italy started off with a penalty, and then. Uh, uh, another an own goal from Italy, so they got two, but technically only one for them. Uh, and that was a pretty tight game till till the you know all the way through with uh, South Africa getting the game winner in the ninety second minute, which was absolutely amazing. So, anybody have any yeah. thoughts on South Africa Italy? Just what a great story! I mean, here we are again with uh, a, a debutante, as it were, like making their name and and getting through. I mean, we, were, we were just celebrating the first goal not that long ago, and now they're in the freaking knockout round. It's just a dream. I mean, what, what can you say? I'm super happy for them. I, I think, it's, as everyone's alluded, and we talked about it since the beginning of this podcast, is like the world is catching up. So the, the level of play is no longer, you know, you, you don't have to boot and run to beat everyone. Now you actually have to play, and people are being physical with you, and they'll challenge you. And it's not a pushover anymore. Like, there's no, no more no minnows. No yeah. minnows anymore. Uh, and I think, uh, you know, that's what makes this World Cup probably, I want to say, the pivot point as to what 
the future is going to be like. It's not going to be, you know, this is going to be like which World Cup was the World Cup where like the world's where world started catching up to the big giants. Then everyone's going to be like Australia, Australia, New Zealand, uh, the Oceania World Cup is going to be the one that's going to be because we've seen a lot uh, of gritty performances. Uh, we've seen a lot of uh, upsets. And we've seen a lot of heart and commitment and who wants it more. And I think that that passion just really, you know, uh, gets infiltrated into whoever's following or matching. I love to see what the what the current numbers of people watching games are, because I'm, I'm pretty sure it's it's and the attendance as well, too. I mean, I can't wait to see what attendance record is going to get broken in, in the in the round of 16s and then and then the final. Because that's really going to be the, the 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 changer for the companies who still don't value, um, you know, still don't value women's so- sports and women's soccer as a a a commodity that needs to be paid attention to and catered to, because um, um, because just 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 to quickly go off on something in a small tangent. Like for example, like for example, a team that has Megan Rapinoe on should not be worth less than what Megan Rapinoe can make in a year, right? <laughs> that should be that should yeah. be accounted for. So it was like Megan Rapinoe with with endorsements and all the other stuff makes about seven million, like for five million dollars a year, right? All Rain should not be a five million dollar club. Right. It should be more than that. Right. I mean, because you have that. So you have to take that into consideration when and I think that's what's going to change uh, not only the NWSL and other leagues is like you have to take in terms that just not you're not just paying for the talent, but you're playing now for the branding and what they can do for your club money wise. It's become more of a business aspect of it, which it should, because that's what the men do. So why can't we just have pay the women? Do the same thing, make sure that you know they get more money than all of them. Well, and I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna hop in here really quick and just say I'm gonna echo what Rodrigo said on the last podcast. I did listen to part most of it. Um <laughs> it was um, very long. <laughs> yeah, I know. Sorry, I couldn't be there. I had to take you no, to the college subcase. No apologies. No. Um but anyway, life, I, I <laughs> yeah, well yeah. Um I I this World Cup has been the most fun I've had. What I mean, like the first thing I do when I get up in the morning is scroll through the scores, right? Um, because I'm excited to see what kind of shenanigans happen while I was sleeping. Um, it is was definitely way more fun than the men's World Cup in December um, to to watch what kind of insane thing has happened um, between all of these first time teams, right? Um, I also think that that big worry about expanding the pool um, has mm. done the complete opposite of what yep. everybody was afraid exactly. of. Exactly. Right? Yep. Like, everybody was like, oh, it's going to lessen the, the level of competition. Oh, that's bull. Right? Because yep. everything that we are seeing with the Cinderella stories that are happening with the first timers that are moving on into the round of 16, like, that is what the World Cup should be. And... Yep. People are probably going to disagree with this statement, but watching the women play is way more fun than watching a men's match because there is less shenanigans 
And I'm sure you all know <laughs> there's a wide range of things that you can understand that what I'm saying when I say that. There's less shenanigans <laughs> in the fouling and more of actually playing the damn game. And that makes a difference. It makes a difference, right? Like it makes you excited to watch the damn game because you aren't having dudes flop around. Not re- Then they don't get the damn call. They get up and run away, right? So there you go. Yeah, no, 100%. Um, and speaking of, uh, yeah, I think we put off Eric's misery for, for too long. Uh, <laughs> misery. J- Jamaica zero, Brazil zero. Jamaica, I, there's good. only one. So Jamaica is the second team in the, in, the, in the group stage that didn't allow any goals, Switzerland being the other team. Yeah. Um, Jamaica, Switzerland only scored two goals in the group stage. Jamaica only scored one goal, but Jamaica is going through to the knockout round. So I will say, I was going to say, I, I felt something on, it was Tuesday evening, and I, I, I documented even on the IG of the Minnesota football show that the energy was just off. Like, I, I couldn't say what was, what was happening or what was wrong, but I just had this feeling that it wasn't going to happen on Tuesday, the day before, because I even, like, I tagged the hour. I'm like, you know, I was, I was, I was in touch with all the Orishas and doing my ofrendas, for that little cachaça, and I got my message. You, like, you, I, you didn't offer I, I enough. You, you well, need- I they they were clear with the message. Is what I'm trying to say, <laughs> I, I had I had bad vibes, bad vibes, and you know what are you gonna do? It's all I can say is congrats to Jamaica. They they showed up, they did the thing, um, low block they, really hard the first 10, 15 it, minutes. I mean, Brazil Brazil went at them. Brazil actually yeah. looked like France for like the first 15 yes, 20 they minutes. Did. It was just yes, nonstop offense. Yes. And I mean honestly, go ahead. I, I mean honestly for them to shut down Dabinia yeah. and Ari like that is a masterclass and what yep. you need to do to stop some of the best players in the world. So I watched that match this morning um yeah. at work because I needed background noise to get some stuff done. Um, and I sat there and I'm just like shot after shot that kept yeah. getting blocked, that kept going yep. wide, that kept going high. And I was just like, how is this game not like six nothing at this point? Right? Like Dabinia misses very rarely, very rarely. Yeah. Right. And so for her to get completely shut down along with the amazingness of, of the GOAT, Marta. And, and Martha not being able to feed people the ball to score, right? Because that's kind of the role player that she has turned into whenever she, unless she takes shots whenever she can. But, um, I mean, Jamaica was like, we're going to hold you because we know what we need to do. Yep. And we know what you have to do. And we're going to hold you to not scoring at all and play this tough defense on you and keep you from being able to do the Jogo Bonita that we know that the Brazilian women can do. And I will say, yep. I'm going to echo this again. The way that this team has been able to cobble together and work, not like individual amazing players, but as a team and figure out team play, that is Brazilian soccer. Not the shit mm-hmm. that the men have been doing. Sorry, Eric. <laughs> I have to apologize. It's, you're not wrong. Yeah, I do. Women play like a team. And I don't know if this has something to do with the way Pia has been running the program over the last couple of years or what. Um, but when they, like, I was actually a little worried. You bring in Caroline, you bring in Dabinia, you bring in all of these other players, Marta, 
and you they they the team has struggled in the past having 12 amazing players but they play individually and that is a cohesive unit and this year this world cup they worked as a cohesive unit it's true it's which true. is yeah. the way you're supposed to coach a team when you're playing on the stage that you are yeah rant over. yeah no that's 100 percent. I, I completely agree with that and i think i again i'm, I'm, I'm so i don't have stuff up here but i don't have names but watching the uh, the Jamaican center backs, who were essentially coaching the entire team for a lot of that match, like they were, oh, the, they were the, just on the, the midfield. The, the Swabi sisters. There you go. They were yeah. on the midfield. They were they were screaming at everybody, and like they they could see and and I mean to Nubia's point, it's impossible impossible to predict exactly what that attack is going to do. But they can see some of those runs and see some of those angles, and they were just constantly yelling and constantly getting people in the right spots and just cutting the angle, shutting down the shot, blocking the shot. Uh, the keeper was spectacular. She had who knows how many saves when he wants to pick that up. I lost track after a certain amount. So, I mean, this all happens like in the first 20 minutes. So, so by like minute 25, when you would expect like that frustration to sit in maybe in the second half, Brazil's already starting to get mad at themselves. Right. So now, so now we have the psychological game happening in the in the middle of the first half it hasn't even got to halftime yet and when i saw that happen i i knew that it wasn't happening i, I knew they weren't going to advance by like the 25th minute and it just continued yeah yeah eight saves for um for spencer the the jamaican keeper so she was she was amazing as well 18 Rebecca shots for... spencer has had a great tournament yeah a phenomenal tournament and to your previous points that back line in front of her, not to, not too shabby either. Yep. Yeah, they'll be a tough out for whomever um, they're playing in the knockout rounds. So, well, and, and that's the thing too is, I wasn't terribly surprised, guys. They did this to fucking France too. They did the same exact thing. So, like, who, who, I don't remember who they picked up in the knockout, but like, they better come correct well, because that. Yeah, yeah. So I'm I'm gonna throw some stats in here for you. So I'm pulling it up. So for defending goal preventions, 17 against Brazil. Yeah. 17 right. goal prevention. 106 forced turnovers. <laughs> also, that's incredible, right? There. 310 applied pa- pressing applied passes. Yeah. I mean, the yeah. stats tell you. Yeah. Yeah. So I um, yeah, again, I can't remember who they, who do they draw? Do they, do they draw France? Colombia. 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 So there again, like they are set for that team because it's going to be a very similar onslaught, I think, like Brazil. And those we'll three about, sisters you talked about are just going to oh, Yeah, I know. We'll talk about it. They're going to be I don't, I don't know about that. I don't know about that because Colombia actually did the same thing with Germany in a sense, right? I mean, like... I mean, we'll see, man. We'll they defended, defended, and counter counter. so... We'll, we'll, we'll talk about here in a quick sec. Morocco basically just did the exact same thing to Colombia this morning, so... Um, yes, they did. It'll be interesting. The other game in this group, uh, Panama-France. This one... We, this is on the second screen at the big black card. <clears throat> this is how the match in the second minute of the of the game uh, to go up one to nothing, and then France just does France things and just decides yeah. to pile it all pile it all on. It was most of their B squad, but it yeah, up. game ends six three to uh, to France uh, over Panama, but um, just a hell. So the first goal. goal out of the whole thing. First goal ever. First goal, they scored three against France. That's pretty impressive. So yes. I don't know if anybody has anything else to add about Panama, France. I mean, Coleman Bowles had a good showing so far, you know. 
You mean yeah. Concacaf? Well, yeah, are they Concacaf here? Are they? Yes, oh. they're Concacaf. It should be Comebol. No. It should be Comebol. <laughs> oh wow! Now we're going to like um, independence. Okay. okay, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna echo I'm just gonna echo what we all have been saying um, pretty vociferously on this podcast over the last couple of weeks. Panama's Federation, pay your damn women mm, because the the way that they have showed out for you. You need to pay them, support them, give them what they need because, you know, they showed out. You said it. All right. And then uh, the last games of the group this morning, um, uh, Thursday, as we're recording the podcast here, uh, Morocco won, Colombia zero. We just that was mentioned that. Uh, played a hell of a defensive game. They get a goal in the forty uh, fifth, uh, the forty fifth, well, f- the fourth minute of stoppage time in the, in the first half. This is off of a penalty save. They get a penalty in the box, uh, and then um, their Chebek steps up to take it. It's saved by the Colombian goalkeeper, but she's not able to push the rebound away. And um, Johnny on the spot, the Moroccan team is there. And then literally for the last what 50, 50 minutes of this game, they just held on for for dear life. This was a, a fun Amazing. game to watch. Um, you're really hoping, you know, that Caicedo could do something, but they didn't need to do anything. Obviously, the, both of these teams go through because of the result in our next match. But I just want to throw it out. I know we hit, we gave Columbia a lot of love in the last podcast, rightfully so. Um, it's just them just maybe taking the foot off the gas, not paying attention. Um, they were in the driver's seat, so they didn't really need to do much in this game. Um, basically not get blown out, I think, was the big thing. So um, I... I was watching more of the Korea Republic Germany match, so I didn't get a chance to watch this one as intensely. So, I mean, Morocco's got some great players in speed. I mean, their their touches to open space is just so much fun to just watch. You you know, it's like pass it right in front of someone who's going run making a run. You know, like it's and it's quick. I mean, like the less you hold onto the ball and you rotate it, the more frustrating you're going to frustrate people who are looking to go on a counter. And I think that was one of those things. Was like. They can do that. Colombia didn't have a great game, um, so they're going to have to figure out what they're going to do uh, uh, in in the knockout stage. But regardless, I mean, I mean, Morocco's played played a good game and, and earned everything they've had. And I think you know, I'm excited for the group of sixteen. Did Colombia arrest anybody, or do they they, they come with their full starting squad? I think they had generally the full squad. Um, okay. Yeah, um, Usme was in there. Caicedo was in there. Um, yeah, I think they had generally the the, the main the main team in there. So right it'd be interesting to see if, if Morocco goes on a, uh, the women go on a run um, compared to the you know with the men just made a run in the in the World Cup in Qatar. Uh, I know. So that would be it's only been eight months. Fun story. We're talking about Morocco again. <laughs> yeah, and then uh, the other game, the Korea Republic uh, won. Germany won. This was a hell of a match. Uh, Germany out of the World Cup with this with this result, uh, the highest ranked team out of the, that's ever been eliminated from the World Cup in the group stage, knocking off Brazil, which set the record the day before. So <laughs> it's yeah, uh, it's a through line. It's a through yeah. line. MJ, did you get a chance to watch this game? This I did a not get a chance watch. to watch this game. Uh, I've been uh, burning the candle at both ends, watching soccer and trying to work and going to live music and other things. So I, I have not been 100% for a couple of weeks now and just needed to sleep. So uh, things just tend to catch up with you. But Fair what enough. a game to miss. Uh, 
Uh, Korea got the goal at the death, right? 90th minute? No, 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 no. Uh, Korea scored early. So Casey Fair, the 16-year-old um, kid from New Jersey, almost scored in the third minute. And then Cho So Hyun, she scored in the sixth minute. My bad. Uh, Pop got the header in the 42nd minute. Uh, then uh, Germany had a, a goal chalked off uh, early in the second half for offside. Um, and then literally there was nine minutes of stoppage time that ended up being about 15 minutes of stoppage time because every time Germany would, they would go for a, a header, they would ram heads with a South Korean player and their South Korean player would be on the pitch for a minute getting, um, getting treatment and everything. So a nine minutes of stoppage time ended up being, I think close to 16 minutes of actual, actual stoppage time. So this is a, yeah, this is the bar was, we had about, uh, there's probably about 15 people in the bar for this game this morning. So it was a, it was a fun, fun match to watch. So, and Germany talk about a collection of individual talents. They, um, Alexandra pop, you know, obviously one of the best players in the world. Uh, she had, she was just, she was trying to will this will Germany over the line on this one herself, literally, um, going, she's playing offense. She's coming back on defense and attacking um, the South Korean players when they would get the ball from a, a position that I had no idea how she got back to be able to make that run. It was, that's how crazy and crazed she was about this game. Just trying to will Germany. All Germany needed to do um, was win, <clears throat> especially with Morocco, or they needed Colombia to score a goal. Um, and unfortunately, Colombia did not oblige. And so Germany needed a win. They had, um, like I said, they had a lot of time to do it. They had some great opportunities, but uh, Korea, uh, their defense hung on and and you know gave Germany all that they could all they could handle. I know it's not a great tournament for South Korea. Uh, this no. World Cup, MJ, but this is a this has got to be some sort of co- uh, consolation though. <clears throat> knocking so, Germany uh, out, of, uh, knocking Germany out of the World Cup is a consolation prize. The, the, this is a uh, a transition World Cup for South Korea. You look at uh, some of their best players, Cho Soon Hyun, who you just talked about, Tottenham Hotspur. She's thirty five years old. Uh, Ji Soon Yoon is 32. Uh, she used to play for Chelsea. Now it's Suwon. Uh, they they have a lot of really good players that are. I'm not saying they don't come back in four years, but like they'll play this next Olympics, and the, they might be out. It's nice to see them go out and draw a team and kind of play spoilers against one of the better women's te- national teams out there. Also on the bringing in the next phase. Uh, for the first time, Korea had a, you know, not full-blooded Korean or supposedly full-blooded Korean, you know, they had someone who is only half Korean uh, from the United States uh, play for them. We often talk on maybe larger battles that integration happens in sports first, but South Korea is still a very insulated, xenophobic country. And as a Korean adoptee and as someone who considers themselves of two cultures, uh, for them to accept a 16-year-old uh, Casey Fair on their team and give her playing time and uh, treat her like one of their own is a good step in them uh, broadening their horizons. They, I've seen it done with their women's ice hockey team. Now it's being done with their women's football team. Um, good things to come in the future if they let more Korean, whether dual nationals, or people who were not necessarily born in their country, but have Korean heritage, even though that's not full Korean heritage, whatever. Like, I love it. Yeah, you know, to that point, uh, MJ, I, I was going to say, there's a number of squads that have some, some similar situations like that. I'm thinking yes. specifically yes. of Panama and Jamaica. 
where you have the, the random white lady out there you're like what yeah. what's going on <laughs> and then you learn that they're from the u.s and they have like i think one of them has a panamanian uh oh how is it the grandfather was born in the canal zone because of course john mccain um so that gave gave her her pathway and then the other one had a grandfather that or maybe both the grandparents were jamaican or something like that so, yeah, but, no, but i mean we're talking generationally we're talking two generations go ahead MJ. The backup goalkeeper for Jamaica, who used to be their starting goalkeeper, uh, Sydney Schneider, I believe is her name. I know it's Schneider. And uh, she had the chance to play for three different federations because she was born in the U.S. And her one of her parents has one heritage, but her one set of grandparents uh, are were both uh, Jamaican. Mm-hmm. And they, they immigrated to the United States as Jamaican. Now... Yes, she is white and she does not look Jamaican, but like her, her grandparents are, are Jamaican. And so uh, she chose to play uh, for Jamaica. Yeah, I mean, look, as, as somebody that has a potential down the road, maybe, maybe, maybe Olympic athlete that can pick from three different nationalities, like you, you do what you can if you got to work football, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah, you, I mean, likewise, <laughs> likewise at our house, there's there are yeah. different <clears throat> national teams that could potentially be on the deck. Um, I think the other the other team that had similar things is the Philippines. Yes, the Philippines yes, had a lot of a lot of a lot of Filipino American players right. on their team, um, like including mostly some from youngsters. California. Like they're all like yeah, and, yep, in yep, including including some youngsters. You know, as young as the as 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 um, fair on on the South Korean team. There there were some really young players um, that were playing for the Philippines, uh, representing the Philippines that were American born kiddos. So. Um, that's always that's fun to see. I mean, we've we've seen it obviously in Concacaf with the with the Mexican American with the Mexican American players um, yes. choosing to to represent Mexico. Um, so it's fun and nice to see that that yeah. those of us who have um, <laughs> multiple nationalities um, there have an ability to represent potentially our homelands um, or mm-hmm. or what we what we what we consider as our heritage homelands. Um, so. Yeah. It's fun to work it out because you see it and you're like, all right, there's a reason there. So then Google, Wikipedia, like, ah, I got you. <laughs> cool. All right. Well, let's take a quick break. When we come back, we will discuss the actual knockout matches and see what we're most excited for. So we will be right back. Minnesota football, Dave's uh, second half of the podcast. We are going to talk a little bit. We're not going to break these down all the way, but just talk a little bit about the games that are coming up, the knockout round, um, and which games we're most excited for. So let's just go in order here. Uh, Saturday morning, um, August fifth, uh, I believe. Actually, you know, that'll be our time here in the in Minnesota, Switzerland, and Spain. Um, that game kicks off at midnight Central Time Saturday Saturday morning. Technically Friday night, Saturday morning. So. Um, any thoughts on Switzerland, Spain? Yeah, okay. <laughs> Meh. Uh, yeah, I just want Spain to lose. You know, yeah. That's just the typical, the typical Rodrigo banter in any that's any fair. any football podcast. Uh, I just want Spain the, to lose. <laughs> the three AM uh, game. Oh, sorry. Go ahead, MJ. I'll just say it, uh, Spain's going to win. Sorry, Rodrigo. Um, th- they're going to win. I'm not saying I like that. I'm just saying that they're probably going to win. <laughs> Uh, the second game in the morning at 3 a.m., Japan and Norway. 
Uh, this I love a a, this match. A hell of a game. I love this match. Uh, I, I doubt I'll be up for it. I'll, I might even I might try though, just because it's so enticing. Uh, I, I really really don't know what's going to happen with it, and I, and I just I just want to see two really good teams like knock each other out and just you know, is, go for is it, he- back and forth. Is Hedgeberg back? Yes. Is she back from her injury? Oh, yeah. This, yeah. this is going to be a this is going to be an interesting one to see when I get up what the sport is. <laughs> yep. Right on. Yeah, I think this would be a fun. They have uh, other good players too. Yes. Oh, come on. Let's be real. The one that everybody pays attention to is Ada Edgeberg. Come on. <laughs> it, it'll be a really good test for Japan for sure. And, and who knows? And Norway's got momentum too, coming off of like however many goals they put up that last match. So, I mean, it's just it's a really hard one to predict. I, I don't know where, so, which way it's going to go. So does Japan. I mean, I, they just kick, they just kicked the shit out of Spain. So yeah, I mean the the thing for me is just that Japan has their has their mo, which is we're gonna counter and we're gonna take very very few shots, and all of them are going to go in. And so <laughs> so unless <laughs> Norway the, unless my, Norway has a better is. idea to do uh, unless Norway decides to let yeah. them play possession and they low block. It's it's it. I don't I don't know which is it, but you know, I I I I really want to stay up and watch this game. So I might I don't know, I might just play uh, FIFA until you know, uh, dude, until dude, two o'clock old. in the morning. Dude, we're old. You were not. You there was no way. I'm gonna hell. try. Yeah. Hell no. Your children, one hundred percent. They will be up playing FIFA. You negative. You fall asleep with a freaking phone on your face. Negative. Yeah, that's true. I do. <laughs> I mean, I was out partying at a concert and you fell asleep before me. Boom. <laughs> All right. The 9 p.m. game on Saturday, uh, the Netherlands versus South Africa. This could be a hell of a, a, hell of a game, too. Oh, I want yeah. to watch this one. And I really, I know it probably won't happen just because we've seen what the Netherlands could do. But, man, would right. it be awesome. If South Africa knocked them out in the round of sixteen, oh. be spectacular! Be spectacular! Yeah. What what time is this one again for us? Uh, Nine p.m. our time. Oh, that's so, on, that's on there. Yeah. That's past Eric's bedtime. He won't watch it. <laughs> I'll be up. I'll watch it. <laughs> uh, all right. We we are currently two hours past Eric's bedtime, and he's still up. So yes, I have faith in Eric. He's killing it. A COVID did something to his uh, to his sleep cycles there or something, maybe. <laughs> he probably slept too much, so now he's overcompensating <laughs> by being up too late. Right. Something like that. Uh, Sunday morning, 4 a.m., Sweden, USA. Um, Blackheart will be open for this one. I know that for sure. So I will be at the Blackheart watching this game. Uh, any predictions? I mean, do we think U.S. is going to make it past uh, Sweden? They've been the sort of the kryptonite for the U.S. in World Cup and I in, feel in the like- Olympics. I feel like it depends on what lineup Blackwell puts out. If mm. he puts out the same lineup he has the last three matches, we are done. Mm. We are done. Unless something drastic happened in training, um, I do not think that this lineup will be able to put up with the counter from Sweden. Um, so, yeah. So, like, if, and I and I, I might get up for this game um, and watch, but, but if Blackwell puts out the same lineup, we are going to hear for the next three weeks how terrible tactics, coaching, whatever um, will ha- has happened and led to the exit of the, the women necessarily ever in the World Cup. Do you get, so you guys, I'm not Hard sure. Hard to argue that. Yeah, yeah, no, for sure. Um, 
to be like the 2006 men's U.S. Men's World Cup all over again, just <laughs> just breaking breaking shit and and taking names. Um, Which watching this. the watching the young kids be the ones that are trying out there and making it work, and then the better yeah. going. Well, we're already done for. I'm not gonna keep. Although I don't know, I feel like on the women's side, I would find it very difficult to see. Lindsay Horan and Megan Rapino and oh, yeah. Alex Morgan and Julie Ertz not give it their all. Yeah, um, oh but, for sure. They're, they're, but, they're yeah. not. They're not. They're no Alexi Lawlesses. So let's put it that way. <laughs> right. They're, they're, well, there are Carly Lloyd's out there, so we'll see. Well, Carly Lloyd's well, not there. girls. She does not count. Sorry. <laughs> like, here's 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 my thing. I think like even though like I understand like we don't know. I I am a firm believer that. Uh, Lindsay Horan needs to touch the ball every time you go forward, whether that's uh, just touch it, touch it back. Every time she touches, she creates space because everyone knows what she can do. So she's either going to create space or she's actually going to find someone. Uh, and I think the more that she can get gets to touch, if you want to call it the Reynoso effect, I don't care. I mean, I think she needs to be able to get the ball more more touches on that ball than anyone else to be able to to compensate. Except- Except who are you going to put in to give her that ball to get touches? Roosevelt suspended for this game. I, I, I trust Mewis. Seriously. But you have is, to is she put gonna her play? in. Yeah, right. Exactly. You have to put her in. Right? Are you gonna put are you going I mean like I, I am not a fan of Andy Sullivan. I am not. She is too inconsistent. And for me, Sam Coffey from the Portland Thorns is actually a better six than she is. And yeah, yeah some of that might be some of that might be my like thorn bias, but Sam Coffey is a better six yes. than Andy Sullivan is. And so if Latko puts her in, there's nobody to help push that ball forward. There's nobody commanding that deep midfield, right? Isa, you all know Isa Watch was a holding midfielder, was a six. And she consistently says, What the heck is Andy Sullivan doing? And she has no vision yes. of the field. No vision of the field whatsoever. So, so is Vladko going to play her? If he does, Lindsay Horan is not getting touches at all. She's not. She's going to have to create. She's going to have to come back too deep to get the ball and push it forward. And then what? Right? Like, that's our problem. That is yeah. the problem. Is yeah. You have to put in, you have to put in a Christy Mewis, or you have to at least put in an Ashley Sanchez to also draw people away from Lindsay so that she has space. And is he going to do that? He hasn't given point, Ashley right? Sanchez. At this point. Is, is he going to give her, is he going to give Ashley Sanchez, a, you know, a, a kid time in a game of this big? Who knows? Yeah. yeah. I Maybe. I could see this thing going into, I, I actually see it going to PKs, but I think this thing gets decided in extra time. I think we end up with like a 1-1 tie and then one of the two of them gets it done in extra and there's your winner. That's what I'll say. All right, <clears throat> that'd be interesting, at least to say to say the least. So, uh, on the other side of the bracket, we have uh, Monday morning, two thirty a.m. England uh, versus Nigeria. Yeah, I. Rodrigo, what did I say? <laughs> you said that you would run naked down the street, playing uh, "Fella" as loud as you can on yep. your phone if Nigeria were to beat England. Marcus. And I forgot to put that on Twitter, but I screenshot that part, and I'm gonna put that on Twitter, it's, like after it's this. Into podcast. the universe and podcast I mean, form now. I, I think 
England is going to have their hands full. The way that Nigeria has been playing, they're going to have to come out and be firing on all cylinders. Because if they are not, Nigeria, I mean, we've seen the, how tough and physical Nigeria has been playing and how defensive they have. Like, that's going to be, I feel like that's the kryptonite for, for England. Yep. Well, definitely a team yeah, that can be physical. Like, they, they know how to freaking attack, though, too, is the thing. It's like they will find that space and they will just like ping, punch you in the face. So. All right, right on. I'm committed, yeah. I guess. <laughs> we'll, you, we'll make sure to get video for that for sure. Um, that's that's going to be a video podcast. We'll figure out a way to do that. that, that so. That's gonna that's gonna be the new Minnesota football logo if that happens. I'll put, I'll put a I'll, I'll put a GoPro on. We got this. <laughs> I can't All wait. Right. That's that's Patreon content. People will pay for it. Yes, yes. The the Eric Eric uh, Eric naked tier so of the Patreon. Uh, the other match on Monday at 5.30 a.m., Australia, uh, Denmark, um, with a fully fit, hopefully fully fit Sam Kerr in this one. Um, I can't imagine um, Australia not winning this match, but Denmark is no no pushover either. Yeah, that's a hard one to call. Uh, I, think, I think if Sam is fit, I think that that gives Australia new, um, like, new breath. Um, having, you know, like having her there, having the ability to know what she can do, um, the leadership that she brings on the field, um, the grit that she has, um, you know, to, to create opportunities for Australia. If Sam Kerr is fit and she, I mean, you know that she's hungry. You know, I, I would add in. Been, she's been sitting was, there on the bench watching with happy, yeah. things happening in her homeland without her. Right. I was just right. adding the 12th woman being the home field advantage. And I'm assuming it'll probably be like a 75, 80,000, 90,000, who knows how many thousand full field people out in the middle of the ocean supporting as well. I mean, like the entire country is going to be pushing them on. So that may in fact be the X factor too, you know, maybe that's what, what really makes it happen for them. Yeah. I think they're playing at the national stadium. So I think they got like 70,000 for the, for the opener on that one. Jeez. So that's going to be like all over significant yep. crowd for that one. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Tuesday, the fifth or sorry, the eighth uh, at 3 a.m. Mark, put your, uh, get your alarm set for this one. Columbia, Jamaica, uh, Tuesday, August 8th. Oh man. I'm going to, uh, yeah. So much good music. That's, that's, so much that's, good music. Oh God. That's going to be a tough. I have to be at a training all day that day. Damn it. <laughs> Uh, well, you know, if you could, if you can go through that one, you could probably sleep through the France Morocco game at 6 a.m. Um, that is the the last match of the knockout round, uh, Tuesday, August 8th, 6 a.m. here uh, Central Time in Minnesota, France versus Morocco. Just a little history there. Just just a scotch. <laughs> <laughs> just a scotch. Well, I mean, while we're on the topic, I mean, England Nigeria has some history. Yes. Yeah. Oh yeah. Absolutely. And then if. Uh, if Jamaica beats England or beats beats Colombia and England beats Nigeria, Jamaica and England would meet in the, uh, oh! in the finals. So yes, there's oh, definitely oh, that would be so fun. <laughs> Guns of Brixton. <laughs> <laughs> those are all the 
those are all the knockout matches. Uh, which 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 match um, stands out for you? Or the what's the one that you you guys are all going to make sure you're up for? Because um, outside of that Netherlands South Africa game, they're all they're all in the morning. So yeah, I think for me, Japan, Norway, uh, Sweden, United States, uh, Colombia, Jamaica, and England. And India. Those are the ones. <laughs> Just all of them essentially. Right? Yeah, essentially. Dude, you're, not, you're not going to get up to any of them. You're not going to get up for any of them. I might. Fire. I might. I might. Uh, I love that he said hey, hey. great. Yeah, Tuesday, Tuesday, August 8th is my last day of work at my current job. So I might just not <laughs> not sleep at all and just go into work and be like, I've done everything else, guys. I'm out. Bye. Take a nap. Right. Take a nap in your Take a six-hour <laughs> nap at work. Because what are they gonna do? Fire me? No. R- Rodrigo, I don't know. Are you are you a morning person, evening person, or any like once you your job is done, are you going to be able to modify your schedule to like be World Cup friendly? No, dude, because he's he's going to become a school teacher. So no. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, that doesn't uh, mean yeah. that like if there happens to be a World Cup game final during during training, I'm more than willing to have two screens to be able to do that. So but I'm. I'm gonna pull um, a G. I'm gonna pull a G in school. Literally I'm have really one excited. phone. Did we really tell you guys? Did we tell you all that she was taking a quiz and had a World Cup game on her phone? Yes, yes. And we, yes. we actually did that in, in one of my classes too. And the, and the teacher just laughed. The professor laughed and was like, "You know what? I'll allow it." <laughs> During the men. Um, MJ. And oh, sorry, go ahead, Eric. No, I was. The, the the Norway Japan one is I think the, the tastiest one for me where yes. I just don't know what's going to happen there. Uh, and the one- I'm really interested in Norway Japan and Australia Denmark. Uh, Denmark has uh, three Everton players on it, so I got to root for Denmark. But I, it's a tough battle. Uh, they would have had four uh, Everton players, but one of the home guards sisters is injured, so. Um, but yeah, those those two. Oh, and and Columbia, Jamaica. Um, uh, it, it could be really lopsided, but I I hope the the Columbia. I hope Spencer comes to play, um, and the they just keep it tight, and it's a close game. Very cool. <clears throat> yeah, the, it's a wild Japan. ride, man. I mean, who who would have predicted this kind of a, a knockout bracket? I think like some somebody made a lot of money if they called this. Thing, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> Well, that's, I mean, that's the thing is the three, you know, two of the biggest, uh, you know, the biggest, most traditionally biggest, you know, and best countries in the, in the world, uh, Germany and Brazil aren't in the knockout round. The U.S. barely is in the knockout round, right? So this is a, um, England before that, you know, that drubbing of China was, did not look super great. France is, you know, France has been France. They haven't been super great either. Um, I think this is like most, the most wide open tournament we've ever had in terms of the women's game. So, which I think is very, it's super cool. Um, I think I think you can make a case for four or five different teams right now, um, you know, being and, and two of those, I think, are the Sweden and the USA. So um, who are going to one of them is going to knock each, each other out in the in the first round. So I think yeah. that's a, a, a pretty, pretty awesome thing as well. MJ had something. What were you going to say? Uh, we alluded to this uh, just now as David's talking about this and and earlier in the pod. But I just like to get people's like biggest surprises of those who made it and biggest surprises of those who didn't. Um, mm-hmm. And I have a brief list here. Um, 
My honorable mention for those that, that didn't make it is New Zealand because they had a 1-0 loss to Philippines that really bit them in the butt. Otherwise, they would be going through instead of Norway. Uh, New Zealand is the first uh, Women's World Cup host to not make it through the knockout. Um, I don't know if that's surprising or not, but I definitely put up uh, Canada, Brazil, Italy, and Germany. Um, and like, so just of Canada, Brazil, Italy, Germany, you know, asterisk, New Zealand, China, like of those teams that didn't make it, which, which one was your biggest surprise? I mean, I'm pretty biased on that one, but yeah, no, say it. Well, it's, it, I'll tell you why it's because finally, when we talk about all these failures of the confederations and the federations, it finally got over the line with Sebeyaki, and they finally have a new president that has fully invested and is fully dedicated and is doing everything for the women's game that he possibly can and his staff possibly can. And it's all going amazingly. Like this, it just wasn't like this. I mean, Martha would be the first one to tell you over her playing span how much of a nightmare it has been until Rodriguez has just recently, he's only been in there for like a year and a half, two years, has taken power and taken the reins. Again, worth mentioning for maybe people that might be listening to this for the first time, he's the first person to identify as a BIPOC individual, both of African and indigenous descent. He's from the state of Bahia that has ever been the president of the Federation, ever in over a century. And so he's bringing all of that cultural understanding with him and, and moving it over into like the gender side of things as well. I'm being like, I don't care who's playing. I'm supporting them because they're all my players. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? He doesn't, he has the Cosmo vision to actually recognize and do that thing. So this is all fairly recent. And I mentioned this to Rodrigo that my, like my biggest concern was with, with them not advancing is that there would be some backlash on him that maybe, that maybe he gets canned or whatever. And it doesn't sound like that's going to happen because it turns out Pia and him are, are tight and everybody else is because he's built these relationships because he's actually like doing more than the bare minimum and supporting everybody to, to everything that like Nubia has previously said with other teams. It's finally happening with Seb AF. And, and so and that's the reason I'm bringing it back to, to your question, MJ, why I'm disappointed is they finally have everybody all in. Like, the ratings are through the roof in Brazil. The support is through the roof. The coverage. All this stuff should have happened in the prior World Cup, in the World Cup before then, but it didn't. You know what I'm saying? It didn't. But it's happening now. And so that's why it's... And I'll, I'll kind of add in on that, too. Like, I didn't expect Brazil to do as well as they did, quite frankly, just because of past historical issues, right? And so I knew that things that had been changing significantly... Um, for them. Um, but it's, I mean, this was a good test for them. And this was a good way for them to, to show the world what they could do when they finally got support from their federation. And so I think this is a, unfortunately, while this might be Martha's last World Cup, which really sucks. Um, I actually think that, that she has built um, and helped build on her back um, what, what they're going to bring four years from now. Right. Yeah. With, it'd be interesting. All of, with all of the young players, right? Like I teared up. I don't know if you all saw the cartoon um, that has her with four of the young players, like her in the middle. And then um, the top picture is her holding hands with them as little girls. And then the Aww. bottom picture is them is, is her with them as teammates. I don't and think I you like understand that. I like teared up. Um, 
it's on the Twitters. So this is like, put this in the Eric is not on Twitter file. Um, <laughs> um, <laughs> and so, yeah. And so, um, so to me, like, as painful as it is to see somebody like Martha go out without reaching that milestone, um, this makes me ecstatic for that federation four years from now, where they could potentially make a deep run, if not get get to the mountaintop that that the men's team hasn't been able to do in a little while, um, wow, right? Wow. And and bring and bring some some joy back um, uh, to Brazil and to show yeah. that. Let's, football, let's, football isn't just isn't just a men's game. It's everybody. Absolutely. Game. Let's have, let's have Coach Martha win the damn thing. Is what I'm saying. <laughs> oh my god, That's that would saying. be so amazing. <laughs> I, oh. I I, I want to see Martha on a sideline just yelling at people and just like yep. you know. But overall, like you know, this this is turning into like uh, an homage to to Martha because she is the goat. Like not just only as a player, but just overall as a spokesman of the game. But just and, and as a human person, like overall, like I mean, their speech that she gives, the the exchange she had with Bunny Shaw, like you know, pretty much making it seem like, hey, you know, it's like you, it's your turn now. Go ahead and take take over the take over and do what you need to do. But that was sure that was cares. a really special moment. I was like, I was like, man, I was like, I was like, I was like, I don't want that to stop. I don't want Marta to stop being on TV. I don't want Marta to stop, you know, whatever. I mean, like. Granted, but I, I I do think that she's going to be the key into continuing to tie uh, the youth development. So if she gets a coaching position, or if she decides to go that way, right? If she decides uh, not to play for NWL or anything else, I think she, you know, people know who she is and people respect what she does and what she's done. I think she would has an enormous pull to be able to. Yeah. To, to do great things in Brazil for the for the development of young players and, and Brazil have players. never had a Brazilian woman coach it has not happened and it I, essentially I, has to be her I mean who I think else it has to, I agree I agree with you and, and kind of to close this out because I'm sure we have other teams to I know, to. I know. I'm going to I'm going to, time, like, We're getting I'm going to I'm going to use one of her amazing quotes to kind of finish this part out. Four years ago, when she was interviewed, when Brazil got knocked out again from the World Cup, basically the one thing that she said was, we cry now so we can smile later. And so I think we finally have reached the point with Brazilian women's soccer that we are getting ready to smile and and laugh and be joyous about what is happening with that federation. Okay, quickly go around the horn of Canada... Brazil, Italy, Germany, four <laughs> sentences. Who was your biggest disappointment and why? I, I'll, I'll just say, I think it's Canada just because um, with what's going on with their federation, I think it would have been really kind of like when the U.S. did uh, in 2019 with Trump and basically them saying, you know, fuck you, Trump, we're going to do this. You know, we're going to win this goddamn thing. It would have been really amazing to see Canada make a run in the tournament um, in spite of their federation, um, definitely not because of it. So I'll say Canada. I would think everything about Brazil as well, obviously. And they won the Olympic gold in 2020. So I'd be disappointed. I mean, I'm not, for me, Canada is not as disappointing just because we all seen the signs. We saw the, uh, we saw the tournaments and and, and everything else that was going on leading up to after that, that they weren't fully, um, you know, fully clicking 
in a sense or just gelling in a sense. And I think that to me, that wasn't as surprising as what they, what they were showing on the field. I thought Germany, you know, was, was, was something I wasn't expecting to see. Like, uh, uh, and I think that for me was, was, was a surprise just because of how they can be dominant. But I think them, themselves, and, and they, they overestimated this World Cup in a sense of being another pushover. And yeah. I think they underestimated a lot of, of, of their opponents and their opponents were like, we're just, we're going to punch you and then we'll see how you react. They, and, they lost to a, <clears throat> was it they lost to Zambia or was it Nigeria? They lost to an African team right before the World Cup in one of the, in a tune-up match. So I think, so yeah, to your point, I think you're right, Rodrigo. I think they were just, they were overestimating or underestimating their opponents and thought that this would just be a cakewalk. Kind of like another team that we, that we follow. Yeah. Um, Germany, I hate to agree with Rodrigo, but Germany was, was my biggest disappointment as well. I, I expected them to go through. Um, but, uh, that leads us right into those teams that did go through, um, Nigeria, Jamaica, South Africa, Morocco, not who is your biggest bandwagon Cinderella cheering for, but based on what you knew about the teams, who is your biggest surprise? Or if you want to do your favorite bandwagon, do that instead. (laughs) I'll just I'll start. I'll say Morocco just because I think it'd be such an amazing story if they make a run um, when their men just made a run in the in the, uh, in the men's World Cup. So I think I think Morocco, um, especially since they were knocking out, they knocked out Germany. And that was a tough group with Colombia, South Korea and Germany as well. So the fact that they got out of that group. Yeah, uh, it's Jamaica for me. Um, I did not expect them to, to do much this tournament. And uh, uh, they proved me wrong. Granted. Two of them were zero zero draws, but one of those zero zero draws was against France. <laughs> with uh with a red card. <laughs> yeah, so like I mean for me, for me, I think for me, my bandwagon would be Morocco just because of the a lot of the first that they did, you know, the um, yeah. um and I think that's always respectable. But just overall the joy of seeing them not only win, but then learning later on that they qualified to the next round was just, you know, that's, that's what you play the game for in a sense is just to, to see that. And I've loved them to go further, um, you know, and, and who knows if they will, but I, I also have a lot of these teams have the grit um, to, 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 to grind it out and see, see that and not make it easy or a cakewalk or as, as Dave said, underestimate your opponents, which a lot of these bigger nations sort of did. I think Brazil, uh, gosh, you know, they were just unlucky in a lot of the connections of, of plays. Um, and even though they they didn't do what they wanted to do, I mean, they were they were extremely fun to watch and cheer for. And I think that's not going away in, in the aspect of what Brazil is in the, in the views of, of the world of the f- football fan, I think. And so that's, yeah, well, no. Matt, um, MJ, what was what was the other one besides uh, Nigeria, Jamaica, South Africa, Morocco? Are are my four? Like, I'm gonna gonna actually, I'm gonna hop in here because y'all talk a lot. So, um, (laughs) um, love you guys, but um, so actually, I'm gonna go back a little bit to the biggest disappointment. I'm actually going to say Canada, and not because, um, of of. Um, some of the things that were mentioned, I think that what was I was disappointed about was the way that they crashed out. Um, I have never seen Canada play as poorly. 
um, as they had, as they, they did in this world cup. Um, and I am also a little sad that this is Christine Sinclair's last world cup. And this is the way that her team goes out. Um, Christine Sinclair has done a lot for the Canadian game. Um, and obviously she is a favorite on the Portland Thorns, um, has spent her entire professional career in Portland. And so to me, that, that was the biggest disappointment, um, about, uh, of, of, of the Canadian team that making it out of the group stage, um, is, it was just the way that they crashed out. I think my biggest bandwagon, um, I was actually going to say Nigeria because of the NWSL talent that they have on that team. It's fun to see um, some of those players that maybe don't get enough minutes um, um, in on their NWSL club teams really shine um, with their national team. And again, oh, kind yeah. of similar to Morocco with the joy that they are bringing, the the, the tenacity, the, the grittiness of their play. Um, I would say that that would be um, where I'm, where I'm at with, with the bandwagon. Yeah. I, I'll, I'll throw one in for Colombia actually in, in that regards, because we know how they've been directly fighting their federation now for ever, basically it feels like. And, and, and when they beat Germany, <laughs> that was just an amazing moment. I, I know that wasn't on, on your list, Jen, but, uh, but there, oh. uh, that was a special moment. Well, which team? Colombia. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, and, hmm. and correct me if I'm wrong, but uh, were the Colombian men at the World Cup? Only when Hamas kept complaining that they should have beat Peru. That's right. Everyone. That's the only time <laughs> oh, Colombia, yeah, Colombia was, was anything yeah, when, they, when, they, when they complained that they should have been in the World Cup. But, but yeah, so Hamas <laughs> is the only reason that they made it to the World Cup. In, uh, in a topic conversation thing. All right. Well, let's wrap up there. Uh, thank you, Rodrigo, Eric, Nubia, MJ, uh, for hopping on on a Thursday night uh, and recapping this so we can get this out before the matches kick off on Saturday morning. Hopefully, I'll see some of you, um, either some of you guys or some of the Minnesota Football Dave audience at the Black Heart for some of these matches. And uh, yeah, thanks so much for, for joining us and, and thanks for listening. Thanks, everybody.